Here is Danny Meyer, our senior pastor, to continue our uh, Go series. Let's give him a round of applause. <laughs> Good morning, church. How's everybody? Good, good. You know, I, I'm really loving this, this series. I, I'm loving it because I, I believe it's a, a topic that is so, so central to Jesus' heart. I, I love it because I think it's an area that what we're talking about over these uh, last number of weeks and next month or two is something that is, has been neglected in, in so many of our lives personally and in, in many, many churches. So I, I think it's going to bring and breathe something into this church and hopefully into our individual lives and our families that is going to be extremely important. So l- let's go ahead and pray and then we'll jump right into our, our material this morning. Father, I ask that you would come and, and just impart to us by your spirit, impart to us your heart. Lord, we, we don't want to just gather information. We don't want to just simply uh, learn concepts. But we want to be captured by your purposes, by your desires. We ask that you would plant your heart in ours. Lord, touch us so we can see ourselves, see this world as you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as Michael mentioned... We are in a series called Go, and what we've been talking about is the the call that God has in our lives as individuals, as families, uh, as a church, to not just look inward, not just be about ourselves, but to recognize the whole passion of Christ is outwardly focused. And in fact, you remember, just by way of review, let me quickly talk about what we've covered so far, is we've talked about how in the kingdom of God, and, and again, let's see how we're doing. What, what is, how do we define the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the reign and the rule of God, okay? When the scriptures talk about the kingdom of God, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're not talking about a place. We're not talking about heaven, although that's part of God's kingdom, but we're talking about God's reign and rule. Christ is a king, he's the king of the universe, and the kingdom of God is all that he reigns over, his right to rule over everything he's created. And we talked in the first week, when I did the introduction, we said that the kingdom of God, God's reign and God's rule, there's a, there's a flow, there's a rhythm in the kingdom of God, like, like a tide in the ocean. And we, we define the, this rhythm as the comings and the goings of God's plans and God's purposes. There's a, a coming and a going that, that continually, regularly, God's initial uh, call and voice into this world and voice into our lives is come. Take another step closer. That he came to earth, Jesus stepped off the throne, came to earth, and his message to mankind was regularly come, draw near. Said to the twelve, each one of them, come, follow me. He sent the word into this world, come and draw near. And the, the beginnings, the, the starting point of any walk, any life, any understanding of who God is begins with this this notion and this a response to that invitation to come. 
It's not some kind of universal invitation. It's a personal invitation to every single person, whether a person is an atheist, whether a person is far off, whether an individual grew up in the church, whether a person grew up never having stepped into a, a, a church building. His invitation is regularly and continually take another step closer. The come is not something that happens simply in a moment of time, though that, that we take steps, we may pray a prayer, but this invitation to come is something that he is saying daily. He's saying moment by moment, when we open our eyes in the morning, he's saying, won't you come closer today? As we lay our heads on the pillow at night, he's saying to us, Come and draw near and understand what I have for your life. So the, the first part of this tide, this, this come and, and this ebb and flow in the kingdom is the invitation, universal and continual, to take another step closer and to be his disciples. And that's what this series is about. Learning what it means to be disciples. And we define disciples as, as followers. We've defined a disciple as a, a, as a learner. But most importantly, a disciple, biblically speaking, is an imitator. It's not just that we're learning. It's not just that we're saying, I'm a follower, follower of Christ as some kind of designation or badge that we wear. But we're imitators. That as we step closer and closer and closer to Jesus, as we learn to walk in step with him and the path that he set for us, we become more and more, hopefully, like Jesus. We become transformed because of that relational intimacy. So he calls for us to be disciples, followers, learners, and imitators. And then he says, as my disciples, I'm calling you also to go and make disciples. Go and be my invitations with flesh and blood. That, that as followers and imitators of Jesus, who have been invited to continually draw close, now you become that living invitation, communicating to the entire world, there's an invitation for everyone else to take that step closer and closer and closer to Jesus. The invitation goes to the person who is, is the strongest atheist. Take just one step closer. Even just open your mind up that there might be a God out there. And that invitation goes out to the Christian who has walked with Jesus for 50 years. But yet is invited, to say, uh, invited by Jesus to come closer than they were the day before. So we are invited to continually come close and then we're sent to be his living invitations, to call other people to take that step closer to Jesus. And we, we recognize, and we've talked about this, that being a disciple and making disciples isn't something that happens primarily in classes it's not a matter of, of learning information, going through a catechism, though classes are helpful and catechisms are helpful. But this, this uh, concept of being a disciple 
informing and making disciples is primarily in the scriptures, life on life. It's not sitting in a class gaining information, but it's one human being coming alongside of another. And ideally, it's, we could see it as one individual putting their arm around the shoulders of another, be it our children, a friend, a co-worker, a relative, or a stranger, a neighbor, coming alongside, put our arm around their shoulder, and say, look at him. He's inviting us to come closer. Let's take a step closer. That's, that's what disciple-making is all about, and it's the responsibility and the privilege of each and every one of us. So this calling to be disciples, followers, learners, imitators, and to make disciples is, is not some 21st century church concept that we, that we thought up to, to keep us busy and, and to help us in our activist uh, nature, but it's rooted in the biblical and theological, theological truth and plans and, and revelation of God's heart and God's purposes. The scriptures make it clear that this coming and going, this drawing near, taking that step continually closer, and the privilege of being sent to be that living invitation to others and calling them to be disciples is just part and parcel of the, the normal Christian life. The scriptures also make it clear that we as disciples and disciple makers, we are in a very interesting time in, in our lives, and that is we are in a time where we have, we have a foot in two different kingdoms, if you will. We're in this unique moment in our, in our lives when we are, are citizens, if you will, if you will, citizens of, of two different kingdoms. We, in other words, we as followers of Christ, if you've, if you've stepped into that, that invitation, you are a citizen of heaven. That the, the promises, the, the, the blessings of being a, a citizen of heaven are entirely yours. God's grace, God's mercy, God's power, God's provision, they're yours. The, the Old Testament talks about how we, as, as followers of God, we, have, we own the cattle, or the, our father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Now, what is also true, he may only give us a hamburger at a time, but it's ours. We're citizens. Our, our, our citizenship is heaven. But at the same time, we recognize, don't we, that we have, we're here on earth in broken bodies with, with difficulties and trials, be it vocational, physical, emotional. They're, we're living as citizens in heaven, but also recognize this life is being lived here on earth with all the earthly difficulties that we experience so we 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 have it all in one sense but sometimes we only can take hold of our heavenly privileges just one handful at a time but what I want us to understand is the incredible significance that this sliver of time 
that we spend here on earth before we enter into our, our heavenly inheritance, either when we die or when Christ returns, this sliver of time, the, the, these 80 or 90 years that we live here on earth can either be lived with tremendous eternal significance to us and to others, or we can live this life and it could end with little or, or no significance. That we're given an opportunity during our, our earthly life to do just what we were expressing, to, to see the kingdom of God, his reign and his rule, slice in to our lives and through our lives. We get to see the, the very plans and the purposes and the grace and the mercy and the healing and the power of God begin to be seen in our lives, through our lives, all around our lives. And that's why Jesus said to the disciples, I want you to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it's being done in heaven. That's what disciples do. They grab hold of our rights and privileges as citizens of heaven and begin to salt it around us and through our lives to others. Paul, when he wrote to the church in, in, the, uh, in Philippi, listen to what he says. He was talking to them about his life and how he views his life. He says, for me, Paul said, to live is Christ. I mean, that's why I'm living. I'm living to, to see Christ and his purposes, Christ and his kingdom come to earth. For me to live is Christ. If I'm going on living in the body, on this earth, in other words, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I know that I can be used, in other words, Paul is saying, I know that I can be used in fruitful ways while I'm here on earth. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ. In other words, I would love to shed the constraints and the brokenness of this world and this body and the difficulties of living in this world. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but it is more necessary for you, for the Philippians, who Paul is writing, that I remain in the body. So Paul recognized this, this tension of being a, a citizen of heaven, but yet living at this time on earth. And he took seriously, seriously his privilege and this responsibility during this brief sliver, this moment in eternity when we get to live here on earth that it can have enormous significance. You know, I, I, I think when we get to heaven, you know, the Bible talks about how, and I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work out, but the picture that it paints is that there'll be rewards in heaven for, our, our, for faithfulness here on earth. There'll be 
crowns is one of the ways it expresses it. Crowns given in heaven. And I, I sort of picture, we'll get to heaven. And we're going to see someone walking down one of those streets. And that person's going to have this, this enormous crown on their head and these jewels in the crown. And we'll think, oh my gosh. And we'll turn to some angel and say, Who, who's that? Is, it, is that Moses? Is that, is that the Apostle Paul? Is that Peter? Who, who's that? With, the, with all the rewards. They're going to say, oh, that's, that's Larry Schwartz. <laughs> I think, who, who? That's Larry Schwartz. When they say, who's Larry Schwartz? And the, and the angel's going to say, oh, he, he, he was a pastor of, well, he wasn't really even a pastor. He was just a, he, he was a member of this little church in, in Canada, of all places. And he, 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 was just, he just loved Jesus. He was just faithful in that little sphere where he found himself. He just continually would say yes to Jesus in the smallest things. He just loved Jesus and let Jesus love others through him. And we're going to think, oh my goodness. Because see, we assume the spiritual giants are, the one, are only the ones that we read about in the scriptures. But God sees it very differently. God is looking for people who may not be seen by anyone else but him. Who say, yes, here I am. Use me. And it may not be seen by anybody. It may not be out front or public. But it's just faithfulness to be who Christ has called us to be and to walk the, the unique path that he's called us to walk. So we're called to, to follow Jesus, to be disciples. We're called to make disciples, to go out and, and be those living invitations to others. We're also called to make Jesus' mission our mission. See, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that his ministry, Jesus' ministry, has been given to us. The baton has been passed on to us. The torch is now in our hand in, in this century, in this time, in this place. And remember what Jesus' mission is? He, he made it clear. To proclaim good news to the poor. To, to proclaim freedom for those who are, who are held captive. To, to proclaim recovery of sight for those who are blind. To set the oppressed free. That's what Jesus came to do. And now he says, it's your turn. It's your turn. It's your turn. And, and as we're going to talk about today, we do it where our foot lands. We do it in our neighborhoods, in our, in our homes, with our children, with our parents, with our spouses. We do it with our roommates. We do it in our workplace. And we also, as we're going to talk about today, we do it around the world. That's part of our responsibility. And it's quite a responsibility to take on his ministry. How in the world, no pun intended, how in the world can we do Jesus' ministry? I mean, we look at us. How can we do his ministry? Well, listen to what Jesus said as he was talking to his disciples in his last moments with them. He said, peace be with you. This is John 20, 21. 
says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus doesn't say, now go and do my ministry and, and then step back and say to the angel next to him, this ought to be good. Wait, do we watch that? Jesus gives us his ministry and then gives us his authority and then gives us his power to do his ministry. I'm sending you. You now go. And I want us to understand this, that the, the giving of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the... Uh, the third person of the Trinity is not just some concept. It's not some energy force. The third person of the Trinity, God has been given to us, indwells us. And it's so important that we understand that it's not as if we have been given some kind of uh, common blanket programming. It's not like every computer that comes out of IBM or you know just gets its operating system what is it Windows what are we up to Windows 10 it's not like everyone gets Windows 10 so you're programmed with the same program as everyone else to do what he wants his human beings to do but every single one of us as we receive the Holy Spirit we have been given the power within, the authority within, the Holy Spirit within that begins to direct us uniquely so we can walk in the specific purposes and the specific plans that God has for us. And for some people, how God has wired you, it may be a plan that no one sees other than God himself. And he has a huge smile as he watches you like Larry Schwartz doing his, is it Larry? You know, doing what he's called you to do. And, and, and for others, it may be more of a public ministry like a, a, a Billy Graham. And for others, it's behind the scenes. For others, you, because you're an extrovert, it's done in one manner. And others, like me, who are, are introverts, it may be done in, a, in another way. And for some people, it's going to be just practical works of, of showing kindness to others. And for others, it may be the ability to... To, to pray for healing and see God move over and over and over again. But each of us have been given the Holy Spirit so we can fulfill our part so that collectively the church can do Jesus' ministry. And if any one of us say, well, thanks, but no thanks. I, I have, I'm, you know, have places to go, people to see, things to do. If any one of us say, no, I'm not really necessary, no, I, I'm going to just sit on the bench, I don't want to play the game, then to that degree, the ministry of Jesus is going to be diminished. That we are all called, we are all given the Holy Spirit, so collectively the ministry of Jesus can be done. So we know that we've been called to be disciples, to make disciples. We know the method is by the power and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. But what's the context? Where is the ministry of Jesus to take place? Well, let me say this loud and clear. The primary ministry of Jesus does not take place in the four walls of this church or any other church. This may be a place where we get to worship him together. This may be a place where we can come to, uh, to, to receive some instruction and, and some theological foundations. 
But the ministry of Jesus doesn't primarily take place in the house of God. The ministry of Jesus primarily takes place anywhere a disciple of Jesus' foot lands. In your homes, in your neighborhoods, in your workplace, in the grocery store, at the automotive repair shop, and around the world. Around the world. Listen to what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said to the disciples who had gathered together, this is after the resurrection, before the ascension, his ascension into heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, yes, you, you're here and you're living in Jerusalem. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And just as an aside, what, what does a witness do? What are witnesses called to do? They're called to carry signs yelling at everyone else, right? You know, no, witnesses are, are not called ones to wag their fingers at others. Witnesses aren't called to, to put snide remarks on Facebook. What, are, what do witnesses do? When you go to court as a witness, you testify as to what you have seen and what you've heard. That's what a witness does. As witnesses, the primary thing that we do, you know, we speak truth at times when God prompts us, but the primary thing a witness does is to testify, this is what I've seen, this is what I've experienced, this is what I've heard. The primary responsibility as we become living invitations is to say, this is how God has impacted my life. This is what God is doing in my life. This is what God has said to me this morning. This is how God is interacting with me. And this is why I'm trying to take one step closer to him every single day. And he says, you are to be my witnesses to, the, to them. He said, here in Jerusalem, where, where they lived. But he said, not just here. You don't just bloom where you're planted. But you're also, he said to them, in the first century, you're to be my witnesses in, in, in Judea, out in the, the wilderness areas, the out, outer areas. And not just out in the outer areas surrounding Jerusalem, but you're to be my witnesses in Samaria. Samaria, where, where those half-breeds live, the Samaritans were hated by the, by the Jews. You're to be my witnesses there too. And also to the, to the remotest portions of the earth. That's where you're to be my witnesses. If he was talking to us, he'd say, you're to be my witnesses in Columbus. But also in the frontier, in, in Sunbury. And you're to be my witnesses in Ann Arbor. <laughs> and you're to be my witnesses in the most remote countries and regions and areas of the world. That's our call. The ministry of Jesus extends far away. It's not just bloom where you're planted, but we individually at times and collectively absolutely go and make disciples to the remote regions of this world so that 
everyone can hear that invitation to take another step closer to Jesus. So let me talk a little bit about the, the specifics of how Vineyard Church of Delaware County applies this clear calling of being disciples and making disciples around the world. First of all, we accept that world missions, taking on the ministry to the world, is, is not an option for the church. It's not an option. It's a command. It's a command of Jesus. In, in VCDC, I want you to understand that this is serious business in recognizing this responsibility as a, as a small church here in Sunbury, Ohio, to reach the world and to have this outward focus. Approximately this last year, we just closed the books, approximately a quarter of a million dollars of all that, the money that came into this church, a quarter of a million dollars went to fulfill the call to go, to go into the world, to go into the community, to go around the world. Of that quarter of a million dollars, about $174,000 went specifically to world missions, to other countries, to, to missionaries, to endeavors, you know, to at, at times raising money for, for needs around the world. It's something we take seriously. And, and I, I just want us to understand a little bit about our, our philosophy in, when we think about world missions here at the ch this church. First of all, we have committed ourselves to go deep and narrow. You know, there, it's fine. There's some churches that, that are involved in you know, 30 different countries and support a little bit, uh, give a little bit of support to, to 60 different missionaries. But God spoke to us early on. I want you to invest significantly in, in, in a focused, focused way. Make a difference in a focused way. So for us, our, we have a focused uh, sense in our in world mission endeavors. Especially and particularly, we're focused in Brazil and, and to a, a significant degree now in Angola, in Africa in providing support and money and, and encouragement and sending out missionaries and supporting missionaries who are already there. Now, we, we've been involved in other ways. We, you remember a number of months ago, this last year, we raised, I think, there's over $30,000 to send to Nepal after the earthquake in Nepal because sometimes the Father in heaven says, listen, this is a need. And as a church in, in the United States, there, there's a need in the churches in, in Nepal because of the catastrophe that they experienced. So we were able to send a vineyard church in Nepal over $30,000 that they were able to use to go and to be God's grace and mercy and kindness to, to the surrounding areas and to provide food and water and rebuild houses for a countless number of individuals. But we're purposefully focusing primarily in Brazil and Angola and we're also, part of our philosophy is that we want to invest in church planting endeavors when it comes to world missions. In other words, we, we recognize that the churches around the world are wise to help with water projects. They're wise to, to do good works like we have food pantry, medical clinic. 
But what we are focusing on is establishing, supporting, and seeing that churches are planted. And the reason we do that is because so often what has happened in the past is the Western world has, has sent missionaries out and supported social service activities that are wonderful, but then when either because of government turnover or other situations when the missions, missions and missionaries pull out, there is not a sustainable ability to continue those activities. So God has encouraged us to, to plant churches, to support indigenous churches with indigenous leadership, to help raise up indigenous leadership, so that even if the country kicks all missionaries out, even if for some reason the money is no longer able to be, uh, to be sent there, there are churches who can carry on that call to be witnesses in their communities. Finally, we, we purposefully want to make sure that our, our world mission focus is relational. It's not just sending money out to missionaries that we never see and never talk to and, and, and never interact with, but we want it to be relational. Not just for accountability's sake, we, we want it to be relational because we want to be of benefit, even in short-term missions, to those who we, who we send out, and we want the benefit also in knowing that we can tangibly see how we can be part of this extension of God's invitation. So in our church, first, we, we've been involved in Angola because of our relationship with uh, Tim Kabaki. Tim, put that, that slide up, Greg, of, of Tim Kabaki. This is Tim Kabaki. Tim is in uh, Angola, in Africa. Um, Tim was an emergency room uh, director in the Morrow County Hospital. And he served in our church and was part of our church for many, many years. He, he started our, our uh, clinic, our medical clinic that continues to go on. But at a certain time, Tim said, I, I have this heart. I've always had a heart to, to work around in other places in the world. So Tim and his wife, Betsy, you put that next slide up. Tim and his wife uh, and their family, first they went to Brazil. They lived in, uh, finally, they li were living in a place named Porto Jamaz with, uh, actually, with a couple I'm going to introduce here in a moment. And they helped make disciples. They helped nurture a church plant there in Porto Jamaz, learn Portuguese. But they, were, they had this desire to go to places where there was even greater need. And as a physician, he wanted to go places where there was greater need medically. Well, Angola in Africa, put, put that slide up of, of where Angola is. In, in this location in Africa, just a poor, poor, poor country has gone through 40 years of, of civil war. It's only recently, in the last maybe 10 years, has, has been ended. But it's just a decimated country. And it speaks Portuguese, though. Or at least it's one of their primary languages. So Tim and Betsy and their family moved from Brazil to Angola. And they've been serving there and, and been able to represent Vineyard Church of Delaware County, been able to represent Jesus in extending that invitation out to others, showing kindness and supporting and encouraging and helping to disciple both a, 
uh, a pastor there in uh, Kavango where they live, a wonderful young pastor named Jonathan, no, named Jeremiah's, He's been helping Jeremiah, the pastor in there in that village, and also helping to make disciples out of patients and folks in that community in Kavango uh, in Angola. Two weeks a month, he stays in Kavango at a clinic there and helps with patients. You remember a couple of years ago, uh, now we raised, I think it was over $100,000 you all were able to contribute so that we were able to buy an ambulance for, for that clinic in Kavango. Put that, that slide up. That's, here, that's the ambulance that we bought. And every week, that, or every day virtually, that ambulance goes out and is picking up in the remote areas around Angola, picking up patients who otherwise would just die in their small villages because there's no medical treatment. Picks up patients, brings them back to Tim in the clinic and those that he's trained medically, and then brings them back, put the next picture up. Just, uh, brings those, those patients back into their villages after they're well. We've been able to participate in world mission through Tim, through Betsy, and through our, our support and our encouragement. It's been a wonderful thing. So Tim works in Kavango for two weeks a month, and then for the other two weeks, uh, there's a missionary aviation organization that flies him out into more remote areas where he sets up clinics. Our primary role, though, has been in Brazil. I've been going to Brazil for, I think, about 25, 26 years now, at least once or twice a year. And when I, when I first went, there were, there were not any vineyard churches. This is back in the late 1980s. There were no vineyard churches uh, in Brazil at that time. And through... Over the years, because of other vineyard churches getting involved, because of short-term missions that many of you have been involved in and others, over the years, in these last 25 years, there are currently nearly 100 vineyard churches in Brazil, most of them up on the, in the Amazon region, some in, in southern Brazil. But it, there's, we're just seeing things take place, and we've been involved with an organization called uh, the Shingu Mission. And the Shingu Mission is primarily, is exclusively planting vineyard churches in the Amazon region and now also supporting in uh, southern Brazil. We have today uh, Richie and Christy. R Richie and Christy, why don't you stand up in your family? <laughs> Richie and Christy and their family have been, uh, been involved in Brazil for how many years now? 20 years. Uh, he, he first went down there, worked in an orphanage, he and Christy, and then that's where they met, and they've been involved in the Shingu mission now, planting churches. They were planting churches in uh, Porto Jamaz initially, did a wonderful job, and that church was established, raised up indigenous leadership, and then they were sent to start a new base in Portel. We, our short-term mission trip last year went to Portel and have been involved there. Richie serves on the senior leadership team in the Shingu mission. We're about supporting church planting and churches that are making disciples. That's what it's all about. We, we have here today also Bob Lesher. Where's Bob? Why don't you stand up? Now, Bob, 
was sent out of this church. Bob's been a long time member of this church. You remember about a year ago, Bob moved down to Brazil. He's learning the language now. Bob jumped in both feet. I mean, big time. He, uh, he, he went to Brazil, went to Altamira, where he is now. Put that picture of Bob up there. Well, that's Brazil. And the next picture is of uh, Brazil and shows where the mouth of the, sh of the Amazon is. You can sort of see the Amazon swinging through Brazil. Put the next, pic next picture up. There is Bob. And Bob is in Altamira right now. The next picture shows where Altamira is, a little bit more on the interior, about, I think, about three or 400 miles from, from the coast of Brazil. Bob jumped in both feet. He's living in Altamira. He is uh, living with a Brazilian family. Uh, not in sort of a, the, where most of the missionaries initially go. He just jumped in both feet, living with a missionary family in a poor section of, of the city where he's living, and is just a building relationship both with the people in the church, helping support the pastor in that church, Pastor Kenee, and is helping to reach and make disciples in that community. When I was down there last year, it was just wonderful just seeing how Bob is so well representing our church in what he's called to do you know I, I, he come into the church and it was sort of like a, a magnet and all people just sort of come near Bob and giving him hugs and you know it, it, it was just outstanding to see how an individual can be used to be a living invitation of Christ's love and my hunch is over the next few years, certainly Bob is going to probably be sent out from Altamira to do it again in another area, just as Richie and Christy are now doing it in Portel. Bob will be, who knows, Bob will be somewhere else helping to establish churches and establish bases for that invitation to go out. Bob has been used a lot, even in this, this year, going and helping to build other churches and different work projects. Not just because building things is a nice thing to do, but while he's building some, some church, he's working with a, you know, five, ten young Brazilian men. And what is he doing with those young men while he's working so shoulder to shoulder with them? He's not talking about box scores of the New York Yankees. He's talking about about how to live life, how to, how to walk as a, as a disciple. It's wonderful. That's disciple-making, and that's disciple-making around the world that we can participate in. In addition, we have sent out from this church, we've sent out Christopher uh, Meyer. Christopher is down. He initially went down to Altamira. We put, there's Christopher uh, about a year and a half after he was down there, he had met a wonderful young woman named Denise, and he got married to Denise. And uh, just actually about a month or two ago, Christopher and Denise were asked to leave. They weren't asked to leave Altamira because they were, wasn't, they were sent out from Altamira uh, where they were serving, and they were asked to move to another city, uh, a city of Macapá. And Macapá is right at the mouth of the Amazon as it goes out into the Atlantic. And there in Macapá now, they've been asked to help support. There was a, a small church of about 20, 25 people there. They were asked to help that church get, get established, help that pastor grow, because the pastor is, very, is fairly young and inexperienced in his pastoring. So Denise and Christopher, having been in Altamira, were sent out to establish a sort of a sub-base there in Macapá and are 
doing their part in being those who are, who are making disciples. You know, learning the language. Christopher, Denise, he knew the language. Christopher's learning the language, learning how to encourage others, learning how to be with Denise, that invitation to take one step closer to Jesus. In a, well, next week, actually, we're going to get to pray for a gal named Patty Foltz, a member of our church. Put that next picture up. This is Patty. Patty has been a, uh, a longtime member of our church. About seven years ago, Patty was retiring. She was at that time 63. She gave me permission to give her age. She was 63 years old, and she came to me. She said, Danny, I'm retiring. Is there any chance that I've always had, had a desire to be a missionary, is there any use for a 70 or 63-year-old retired gal to go overseas and be a missionary? I said, absolutely. She began to raise support. She went down to Brazil, lived in Altamira for about three years, did a wonderful job. Again, being a living witness, a living invitation there, supporting different churches and, and just in life on life, connecting with others. Next week, or actually, uh, she came back after three years from Brazil. She uh, served up here faithfully. She did the books for the Shingu mission while she was here. She was basically a missionary to a retirement community where, where she lived. About three or four months ago, she came to me and she said, Danny, I'm 70, but I have a hankering for getting down to Brazil again. What do you think of, of a 70-year-old missionary being sent out? And I said, no, Patty, you're supposed to be a grandma and crochet. <laughs> no, I said, wonderful. I mean, think about it. Here's someone who's saying, Jesus, here I am. Use me. And Patty's going to be sent out. We're going to pray for her next week. She's going to go down and, and be in the same town where Richie and Christy are living and support Richie and Christy and the church that is being established there and helping them, helping Richie and Christy to be who God's called them to be by being who Patty is called to be. Because God wants to use people it's not limited by age, by past life experience, though he'll use our life experiences. God is looking for people to say, here I am, use me. And, and incidentally, there is a box in the back, our benevolence box. Those of you who want to help Patty out and some of the initial uh, costs of getting established and getting down to Brazil, we're gonna, everything that goes in that box today is going to be going to Patty. Um, let me just say a few more things. We're going to go a few minutes later uh, because I'm up here and you're not and I get to do what I want. <laughs> Short-term missions has been a main part of what we do here in the church. We've, every year virtually that this church has existed, we've sent out at least one short-term mission. We're going to send out a short-term mission again this year that Michael and JT are going to be leading to, uh, to Macapá. The uh, next year we're going to probably send out two, one to northern Brazil and one to southern Brazil. But there's a great value in short-term missions. Usually they'll spend some of their time on, the, on a boat as they go out on one of the rivers. Uh, they'll sleep in, in hammocks on the boat. Isn't that look comfortable? And they'll have an opportunity just to impact the, 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 people, the people around them. Um, why don't you put that next slide up? 
you know, both out on the river and also in the, in the towns. The value of, of short-term missions is, number one, it gives those who go a world perspective. It lets you see what the world's like outside of the, the comfortable surroundings that we live. It, it's sort of like a, a reset button, at least for me, it's a reset button for my personal priorities. When I see how people are living elsewhere, it reminds me of, of what's really valuable and what I put my hope in. It resets my heart when it comes to, to personal priorities. It stretches us out of our comfort zones. We, we get to encourage missionaries. We get to encourage churches elsewhere. You know, the, put the next slide up, just some pictures. Here, here's Michael on a short-term mission, making friends with some uh, future disciples. Um, <laughs> next slide. This is Mike Kramer. I love this picture. Mike was on one of my short-term mission trips and just interacting with some of the kids there in, in a small church. Next slide. <laughs> That's Dale Hoppy. He was also on a mission trip. Dale, he had a specific gift of making disciples out of canine. I, you know, <laughs> they pay attention and he, he was instructing them. I think it was out of the book of Acts. Um, next slide. Some of the churches that have been established down there are large churches. Next slide, the, some of the churches are, are small river churches. This was a, a small river church during the, the, uh, the wet season, as you can see. Next church. Next, uh, so this is a church that met outside under the trees. Next. This, I love this slide. This is a church, again, during the wet season. The, the blue building on the right, you can't see the sign. The sign says, Engraja the Vineyard. And the, the, this is a vineyard church, maybe one of the more remote vineyard churches in the world. That's a vineyard church. The pastor lived next door during the high water season, which lasts for months. They just had a ramp between, between the parsonage and, and the church. And people would come to church in, in dugout canoes. And it's just wonderful. But it's all about making disciples and recognizing that we're responsible not just for the for for the United States, not just for our area, but we get to participate in world missions. Our, our teens go on a mission trip to Costa Rica every three or four years. There are individuals in our church beyond Brazil and Angola that go out. Benita Kaufman goes to China fairly regularly from this church. Uh, Amy Capel is going to be going to Haiti this year. Uh, Craig Cope, I think, is here today. Craig's going to Central Asia, uh, I think, a few times. Uh, Sarah Little, where's Sarah? Wave your hand, Sarah. There's Sarah. Sarah's going out for, I think it's 11 months. Uh, and every month they'll be going to a different country engaged in missions. That's wonderful. And so there's, there's this ability, there's this call that we can and should be participating in. There are those who go on intermediate mission trips. Where's, where's Jim and Joanne? Jim and Joanne went down for how many months? Three months. They went to, to Portel, where Richie and Christy are at, and just came for three months and supported uh, what God was doing there, and the church is there. So we have this, this opportunity. So let me finish by saying this, or asking this. What is your role in missions? First, I would say this to every single one of you. Your responsibility is first to expose yourself to world missions. What is God doing? I would encourage you to read the 
uh, the newsletters that missionaries send out. I just posted Tim Kabaki's newsletter on our website yesterday. So expose yourself to world mission when Tim or Christopher or Bob or Richie or Patty send out a newsletter. Read about what God is doing. Pray. You could pray for those who have been sent out. Pray for them that God would use them, encourage them. Correspond with the missionaries that we've sent out. Out, out in the wall, and we have cards for all the four missionaries that are or will be sent out from this church. Grab a card, tape it to your refrigerator. Remember to pray for them when you pray for your food at dinner time. Uh, be involved in short-term missions. Support missionaries financially. Beyond your tithes and offerings, let, uh, tithes go to the church. Offerings, the reason why the scriptures talk about tithes and offerings, the offerings can go to organizations and to individuals who are serving us on our behalf, serving Jesus, being that living invitation. The bottom line is that God wants us to be thinking about the extension of his goodness and his truth around the world. God wants us not only to be disciples, but to make disciples. Why don't you stand up? Here's how I want to finish up today. We're going to go a couple of minutes over, but that's okay, isn't it? Okay? We're going to go ahead and two things. One is to, to just offer ourselves and ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us so that we would have that divine grace and presence and energy to be used, to be used whether it's at work, in home, and that grace to be able to engage in what God is doing around the world, whether it's just through prayer, short-term mission, or maybe responding to a call to be a missionary. So first thing is we're going to ask God to fill us with the Spirit. The second thing is I believe that there are those who are so under the, the, the pile of circumstances right now, God wants to give grace, be it physical, emotional, vocational, relational, difficulties. God wants to give grace so that our eyes can be lifted up so we could see what he's doing and the grace that he's willing to provide. So we're going to do one final song. I want to invite folks to come forward. Whether you just need that, that refreshing, that infilling of the Holy Spirit today, or you just need the grace to, to see him in the midst of difficult circumstances, come forward. Let's make sure everyone that comes to the front has someone praying for him. Why don't you come on up right now?
Father, we ask that you would come today. Fill us with your spirit. Folks, just put your hands out. Let's just ask for a, a, a re-engaging, a new refreshing by the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come. Let your Spirit fall on us. We ask for your eyes. We ask for your heart. We ask that your ears would allow us to see and know and hear what you're doing. Come and fill us. Fill us with that authority and with that power to do your ministry. Let us see the opportunities to be an invitation. An invitation into your goodness. Come Holy Spirit. Come and have your way with us. Lord, let us be a church that is about your business, not our business. Father, we ask that that you would lift those up who are, are dealing with trials and difficulties. Lift them up. Allow their eyes to see your grace, your mercy, your healing. Lord, let us live above these earthly circumstances so we can be taking the, the grace and the power and the handfuls of your heavenly purposes and bring your good, kind intentions from heaven to earth. Come, Lord, have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen.